And Connor like loves having, you know, variation in his life and novelty and getting to just have fun and tell cool stories. Like there's just, there's so many levels that, and, and parts of ourselves that I feel like can get fulfilled by exploring non-monogamy and whatever version that is for you and not just focusing on the sex because it's not always going to go well and it is going to involve hard conversations or weird experiences that you then have to kind of break down and figure out what the fuck to do next welcome to normalizing non-monogamy the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 266. We're Finn and Emma. And today we have an interview with Kelly and Connor. This is a fun, wide-ranging conversation. Yeah, a huge amount of gratitude to both of them for coming on the show and sharing their story. As you will learn, their dynamic is, let's call it primarily threesome-focused. Yeah. Threesome-centric, as you will. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest takeaway from this conversation is really their propensity and their draw for growing and learning and figuring out what's next. And they don't really try to limit each other. They're, they're constantly in communication about how to, as, as Kelly mentions it, how to elevate, how to elevate to meet each other where you're at and where you want to go. And so it's a fantastic conversation. And just, again, thank you to both of them for coming on. The other thing that's really, really great about this conversation is how in-depth they go in talking about their journey through IVF. Yes. And how much of a toll that took on their relationship, on their sex life, and just on their life life. Yeah, they're very honest and open about their journey. Yeah. So, again, thank you to both of you for coming on. Please... Go check out all of their work. There are links in the podcast show notes. Kelly is the host of a podcast called OK Babe, and Connor is the host of a podcast called Politically Homeless. And together, they also run a podcast production company called Soul Fire Productions. And actually, one of our previous guests, Jessica Esfandieri from the Open Late podcast, used to be produced through their company. So that's kind of actually one of the ways that we made the connection. Yes. And because Finn all said that all really fast, don't worry, links are in the show notes. I think I said it fairly slow. Well, yeah, but I'm trying to get them to the conversation. <laughs> I you know? understand, but they may not be able to keep up. So links in the show notes. Links in the show notes. One more thing that I just wanted to say that I love about this conversation is the overarching theme that neither of them really expects the other person to protect or fix them. That when you hear them talking about stuff that they're struggling with, they both usually end that conversation with saying, well, that was on me. And not really putting it on the other person. And mm-hmm. so I love that. And I wanted to say that before we jump in to this interview for all of our premium subscribers, we're going to head into it right now. And for the rest of you, we've got some extra fun up front. Yes, we have some announcements. First up, if you're not familiar with the premium subscription, you can sign up on our homepage, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and it's a way to skip these announcements up at the front. But don't worry, you still get important dates and upcoming events in the outro. True story. And that's I, it. My, I lost my voice because I talked so damn much at the beginning, so <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let my vocal cords rest. <laughs> 
Did I break you? <laughs> uh, okay, with that, then the, I the guess I'll take you, over. The longer you laugh, the longer they have to wait to hear <laughs> Kelly and Connor's story. That's true. That's true. Anyway, so next up. Last week, we got to be part of an incredible summit hosted by Elizabeth from episode 263, all about the transition from monogamy to polyamory. She had 16 speakers, including us, and all of the talks are available now for download for $47 until December 28th. You can go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and support her work and go listen to all of the amazing speakers Yeah, to find the links for the summit, you can look at the show notes for today's episode or last week's episode, again, at normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the podcast tab, and there you will be blessed with all of the episodes (laughs) that have ever come out of the Normalizing Non-Monogamy headquarters. There's a lot. There is a lot. After December 28th comes December 29th. Yes, and we have a virtual meet and greet coming up on December 29th. If you're not familiar with the virtual meet and greets, they're super fun, by the way. Uh, this is a great way to come and just have some lighthearted fun with like-minded people. You don't have to be part of our community or anything else. You just need to be open-minded and respectful. To sign up, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and click on the events tab. The one thing you forgot to tell everybody... There's a theme. There is a theme, yes. Holiday potpourri. Yes. So the whole idea behind this was, and this came out of the blue last week, just <laughs> right on the fly. If you listen to last week's episode, you heard us uh, navigate this. So holiday potpourri means you dress for whatever holiday or combination of holidays you want. Does not matter what the holiday is. Doesn't even matter what country the holiday originates in. We would just love to see your holiday menagerie, and we cannot wait. Yes. That's December 29th. Yes. Sign up, and you will have a great time. Yes, we can't wait to see you there. The other thing we wanted to tell you about is our community, our Mighty Networks community, which used to be on the Patreon platform, blah, blah, blah. You don't care about that. We're going to kick it over to one of our amazing community members. They're going to tell you why the community is awesome. And then you are going to head over to our website. You're going to click on the community tab. You're going to fill out the very short application. And then for just a couple bucks a month, you get to experience everything she's about to tell you about right now. The Normalizing Non-Monogamy podcast has been an essential resource for me as a newly opened person in navigating this amazing lifestyle. The community of singles and couples who um, continuously show up for the meetups and the video Zooms and the in-person get-togethers have shown me uh, all the ways to be successful, um, the ways to avoid uh, the snags and pitfalls of uh, working with multiple relationships. Um, and it has been comforting and informational and fun and really, really great experience. Thank you so much for the testimonial. We appreciate it. And we're so grateful for everyone that's part of the community. And to show that gratitude, we have decided to put together a small-ish, well, I don't know how small it's going to be. There's almost 250 of you in the community, so I guess it could be that big. It could be. In-person event, January 28th in the San Francisco Bay Area, probably going to be in Oakland or Berkeley because we're trying to keep it simple for us. We're being a little greedy on this one. The details are posted in Mighty Networks, which is the platform that the community 
resides in. That's where we hang. Mm -hmm. That's our stomping grounds. Yes, it is. So if you want to learn more about that, join the community. Or if you're part of the community, get into the Mighty Networks platform and you will see the information there. And we hope to see you on the weekend of January 28th in the San Francisco Bay Area. And again, we understand that not everybody can be there. Our hope is in the future to do more events and spread them out around the country. But right now, life's a little bananas. And so we're going to bring you to us. (laughs) Yep. Thank you for obliging. (laughs) Thank you. The last thing for real this time. Last but not least. (laughs) You wanted me to take over. Last but not least, I'll take over again. Uh, (laughs) We wanted just a quick shout out to our favorite affiliate partner, stcheck.com. This is a super easy and efficient simple affordable uh, affordable amazing I'm just naming, incredible like, <laughs> badass slutty oh, I made that last one up. way to get tested for stis <laughs> go to our website normalizingnonmonogamy.com click on our resources page and you can find links using the links there does support the show and you get ten dollars off your panel which brings the cost down to 129 dollars which I mean, that's pretty damn affordable. Yes. So check it out. Thank you in advance. And the last, last, last thing. Reach out to us. Send us a voicemail. Send us an email. We'd love to hear from you always. And we'd love to have you be a guest if you'd like to, too. So thank you again for making it through this intro. And now let's go talk to Kelly and Connor. Welcome to the podcast, Connor and Kelly. We're excited to have you here today and get to know you both. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. We'd love to start just by having both of you introduce yourselves at whatever level you feel comfortable with. Yeah, I'm Kelly. I am from Southern California and met Connor, I guess, three and a half years ago. And we've been in Colorado for the last few years um, and we run our company together. It's called Soulfire Productions. It's a podcast production company. And we're also expecting a baby this winter. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm Connor. I am from Texas. What, what else is there that's relevant? I'm the host of the Politically Homeless podcast. Um, I'm Kelly's husband, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy elk hunting. Yeah. <laughs> he likes long no. walks on the beach. <laughs> I live in Texas. I've been walking almost my whole life, and I'm super stoked to be out here in uh, Colorado. Obviously, I'm also expecting a child at the same time as Kelly's. <laughs> <laughs> Twins, I bet. Twins. Be fun. Awesome. Well, we're we're excited to dig in and hear more about your journey, and and we we happen to know that non-monogamy is part of your journey. Do you mind? Sharing, I mean, each one of you, like where or when or how did non-monogamy come up for you? I guess I probably should start this because I'm the one that brought it up. For me, so I was I, I was in the CrossFit strength and conditioning uh, strongman, you know, pick heavy shit up, move it, do things fast uh, business for like since since I, right before I graduated college, I started coaching um, and I had a fit, fit, uh, health and wellness degree and stuff like that. So I just went through that 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 route. And I realized pretty early on, and we'll get there, um, <laughs> that uh, it was more about human behavior than it was about um, sets and reps. So the sets, the sets yeah. and reps shit when it comes to fitness, like it may seem complicated and fancy. It's not. Like it's pretty simple. Uh, teaching is yeah. pretty simple if you're t- relatively talented. But understanding humans was a very different and difficult endeavor. And by the time I was 23, I was like, enamored with like human i mean it went through like the tony robbins but like the human behavior stuff right then i got into really sure interesting shit and i started getting kind of fascinated with you know as you're moving your body like a human being like well 
ancestral wisdom and evolutionary biology and psychology. So that led me to Chris Ryan <laughs> and sex and Of course it did. Of course, course it did. did. And Chris, uh, Chris was interesting to me. I think I heard him on maybe Rogan's podcast, like a million other people. And I would actually be uh, sitting in a deer stand in Texas hunting and I'd be, I have one headphone in and I'd just be listening to a podcast. Because when you deer hunt in a tree stand like we used to back then, about 98% of the time, you're just standing there in a tree. You're just standing in a tree. Yeah. So I feel like I would, and I, I started to, to really get into what he had to say. And it was really fun. And it was just something to do to like learn something. And it kind of would break up a lot of the, when you're into like, I'm reading a business book or a human behavior book or a psychology book, it's like they get really heavy. And then Chris is just like a goober and funny and kind of like this creepy uncle guy, you know, who's <laughs> I found very entertaining. So I, w- I got into that and I started like kind of challenging the ideas and then was of course dating someone at the time. And started having those kind of conversations in a very, um, I want to say like inarticulate way. Like I just, I wasn't good. I wasn't good at having that conversation I'd never had before, but it kind of made sense to me like, Hey, maybe let's try this and or that. And it was just, it was from a place of kind of lack to, it was like, this is, uh, this is, I'm not, this isn't working. I'm fucking this thing up. I'm not good enough. I'm broken as a person, yada, 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 that whole thing. And then, um, from that, that ended up ending of course, cause that, you know, I, yeah, I drove that into the ground. (laughs) <laughs> they just kind of like blurt it out and see what happens. Like you don't, you don't yeah. really know how or why you're just like, yeah, maybe, maybe this will help. And then it ends into a, in a fight and she's like, well, you, you didn't bring it up the right way. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm just, tr- this is the first time, right? It's like the first time having sex or driving. I'm like, you're just, it's just like, I'm, I don't know where the blinkers go. I'm like trying to have this conversation. That's really hard. And I don't have the skills and I'm in my mid twenties and it just doesn't make sense. And go from there into, uh, of course, getting into like psychedelics and that kind of stuff, which kind of, let you zoom out of your life a little bit. And then I ended up working for um, Aubrey Marcus for a few years at on it. Uh, and was in that community and that kind of like, um, I would call it like a cult light type of situation. <laughs> was in there. Um, and that was interesting because I thought that I was like, I even thought about being non-monogamous as almost like a, um, a sexual identity as like being gay, straight, bisexual. Like I, I almost thought about it like that. And then I was mm-hmm. around it in a way where I got to see all the ins and outs of the reality of it, especially when there was a, I would call it like a imbalanced power structure within the relationship. And that seeing that like up close and personal made me rethink everything again. Right. Which I was really in this place of learning. And I was in a relationship. It's really funny because coming from like a Christian upbringing, I remember I kind of had a lot of sex shame. Right. And then I was in this relationship in this community. Right. Which those things never really worked out unless you were in the center of this little cult light. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, that goes. Um, and it was like, then if I went from being like shamed for not being, or for being too sexual when I was growing up to being like shamed for not being sexual enough. And it's like, Hey, I really need you to let your, uh, girlfriend fuck these D list celebrities at this party. And I'm like, I don't feel comfortable with this at all. Like that guy sucks. And I don't know why it was this, but what, what? this doesn't make any sense to me, but it's like, well, it's, 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 it's about, um, being an evolved person or like about, me gaining status. You know what I'm saying? Like it was that, that was, it was very weird in that way. So I got to see a lot of the other side of it. I went from like conceptually glorifying polyamory or non-traditional relationships or whatever you want to call it to being like, Oh, this actually has a shadow side that people don't like to talk about. Right. Because it's there, it becomes almost like a religion in a certain way. It becomes like mystical. And I think anytime you can dilute yourself into believing that something you're doing is like for a higher purpose or to make you a more evolved person, that, that leads into like this confirmation by a slippery slope of kind of a, uh, can, can be a God complex in many ways. 
So I got to see that. And I got to this point where I'm like, all I really want like at this point, that that relationship ended, I, I actually left Austin because I'm like, I just don't want to be around this anymore. I'm like, I just got the fuck out and just left. And I was like, I'm not yeah. going to be anybody seriously. I'm just going to travel for a long time, do my podcast. That's, I was doing podcasting full time at the time. And I'm just going to like date and I'm not going to be anywhere long enough to even have roots to date anyone seriously. And I'm just going to see, I'm going to try all kinds of things. And I knew at that point, I was like, I want to be with the woman that's into women because that's been a problem in my relationships. That's that's a that's a, persi- a persisting pattern is that I've been like me commenting on women or just like having fun with it. What I considered fun was like very upsetting to the people I was with. And I was like, well, I want to like circumvent that by just being with a woman who's into women. That makes this whole thing easier. I'm going to kind of try that out. So I dated some girls who were bisexual and I was like, this actually makes a lot more sense. And then I'm living in Encinitas in California and podcasting and coaching and doing my thing. And then Kelly... Uh, Kelly's assistant sends me the cheesiest pitch email for to her, for her to be my podcast of all time, and I was like, I think this I was is a- really relevant to the story about it. It is, but I like <laughs> I usually, I usually don't respond to these things, but I did that day because it was my birthday, and I felt like being a smartass. So I was a smartass, and then she was a smartass back. Yada yada yada. We start talking, and then we end up like hanging out and spending time together, and then like fast track, we're in a relationship, and in one of those conversations early before we started dating, she was like, I'm done with men. I'm just going to date women now. And I was like, oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) You're just parked up, right? And so we hadn't been dating for that long. And Kelly, you can kind of go into like how it happened for you because this is where that happened for you. Um, You got brought up in some way. I remember, I think it was was our friend. I forget what what the pseudonym we used for her on the podcast. But uh, I was like, you know, she wants to fuck you, right? And then Kelly was like, what, really? And then yeah. Your turn. I had said that. Just, I'm going to interrupt for just a second and say, like, you you two got together about three and a half years ago, right? Yes. So this is around that time frame. Just kind of give people context. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking for about two years, too. In that, in that time between two and two and a half years before I met Kelly, I was just like out experiencing things and trying different stuff. Yeah. Which when yeah. you do that, you well, get really interesting situations oftentimes, in my experience. <laughs> oh, yeah, for uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> for sure. And, and definitely want to jump in with Kelly here in a second. I just wanted to pick apart a few things or, or ask a couple of questions, Connor, if, Go if you're it. good with that. I, I mean, one was just a comment around, it sounds like the experience you had in Austin wasn't so much non-monogamy as it was exploit exploitation of like, hey, if you're going to be here, like, we maybe you don't have to, but we'd really encourage you to do some things that maybe you aren't comfortable with. And I just for anybody listening, like that's not necessarily not even close to polyamory or even swinging. That's that's sort of a whole different thing. But I'm I'm curious yeah. if you are able or willing to talk a little more about that. Yeah, I can talk a little bit about it. I mean, I don't want to I, I don't want to like drag people or throw people under the bus. One thing I really like for to sure. share is like that was this was my experience, right? Yep. Um, yeah, for sure. Nothing happened that I didn't like allow to happen to myself. You know what I mean? Yeah, I have total 100%. personal responsibility and agency over myself. If you're in a toxic relationship for a long time and things are happening, like I, I know the moment when I when it went from I should get out of here to like, oh, I'm going to stay and just keep myself in this situation. I know when that moment was, right? And I chose mm-hmm. to be there. Um, I was in a very vulnerable place for a lot of other reasons. But you know, when it comes down to it, like I, I brought up and I kind of glossed over this, but this like imbalance of power within a relationship and within a community. I feel that when when a single person has a fuck ton of leverage over everybody else in a community, as in like every dollar that person earns comes through that person, um, it's really hard to speak up, right? Because now it's not only your livelihood 
your relationship, your friend group, everything now hinges on the opinions of a single person. And that's a really interesting situation to be in, especially when that person believes that you can be honest with them. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? It's a really weird place to be. And I wouldn't say, I mean, exploitative, maybe, I don't know, kind of, yes, but, and it was, it's weird because it's like, it was polyamorous and that was encouraged and and endorsed and that was, that was part of it. But it was, you would also, and I'm just curious if you guys have seen this, like you would see this cycle of like, bold spiritual revelation. Everything's cool for a month, two months. You start getting outside the normal that, you know, somebody does something, it gets a little bit there. It gets a little hectic, a little tense, it's huge blow up, bold spiritual proclamation. And the cycle starts over again. Like it's like every quarter, the same fucking thing. And it was like, guys, and on the outside, you'd be like, I'm watching this happen. And I'm like, am I just, am I crazy? You know, and there's, a fair amount of gaslighting goes into all of this too, because I was like, am I the yeah. only crazy? Am I the crazy one? Or am I the only sane one? That's what, that's what yeah. I was at in that whole environment. And especially when there's a ton of social validation around the community you're in, that was really right. interesting too. So there was so much going on with that. And now looking back at it now, I'm very grateful for that experience, right? Like that was because I, like I said, I'd glamorized polyamory, whatever, like non-traditional relationships, you know, whatever you want to call it. Right. I'd seen it in a certain way. And then I look at it now and I'm like, Oh, like I needed, I, I, I needed a reality check. It was a very painful yeah. one. It was very hard. Um, if I go back, I would do things differently, of course. But yeah, that was a, it, it felt really, yeah, it was kind of a, it was a, it was a challenging environment to say the least, you know, but yeah. looking at it now, I mean, that gave me a lot of context for other things in my life too. And I think through, when you learn something, a big lesson like that, you're like, okay, let me a little be a little bit hesitant to jump both feet into something that I don't fully understand or don't haven't, haven't really taken the time to look at all of it, right? Getting a 360 view of yeah. all the, because everything has a shadow. And the, and the shinier and fancier something seems, the darker the shadow tends to be, you know? Yeah. yeah. It, it gets, yeah, it's, I appreciate, I appreciate that. And I think what you said was really important there, which was like, cause you, you started with like, I mean, I could have left any time I stayed of my own free will, but then you circle around and you're like, but also like my income, my friend group, my everything was sort of hinging on me playing along. And so I think the power dynamic that you talk about, and that's not just if it's a business that can be in any relationship where it's like, I, I don't really want to be here, but like I'm married to somebody and all of my friends are my partner's friends. And so if we, if I don't do this, we're going to get a divorce and then I don't have any friends and then you're alone. Right. And so that can show up in so many, so many aspects of life where you, you end up doing things that you're like, well, I had, I could have left, but like, what was what was the cost for me to leave? And I think that's just it was important to bring up. So I really appreciate yeah. that. And I think one of the things that you'll notice in, a, in an environment like that that's really hard is when you start to get a little bit of distance or get on your own feet, like the uh, the person in power will put you in your place really quickly. It's a very it's a very toxic cycle. So it's like oh like things are going well for me. I'm starting to be a little bit more independent, and then you get the legs cut out from underneath you because that's a threat then at that point. And it's actually the reason I got fired from my job. Like it was because it it became, I mean, literally the quote was, we were competing for content (laughs) in the podcast world, which is very strange to me um, looking at it now. And and it's really hard to like, look back and be like, how did I ever let that happen as the person I am now? It seems, it seems like it was, I was a different, 
person, but you'll, you'll notice that. And I think that's something that I say that as like a, a bit of a warning because I've seen that more and more times. And I've had this conversation enough times where I feel confident saying like, Oh, that's a pattern, right? Like you feel like you're going, things are going good. It's a toxic relationship. Like things are going well. I'm like, Oh, I'm moving in the right direction. I'm a little bit, you know, I'm, 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 I'm more confident in myself. And then all of a sudden it's like, let me just, uh, put you back in your place. But yeah, the, the bar gets raised, right? You start to get, yeah. you start to get your feet under you in this paradigm and then it shifts. Oh, the, you, you actually have to clear this new one. And then you get, you're like, okay, I can do that. And you do that. And then it gets, it gets raised on you. The temperature gets turned up. So exactly. I, that, yeah. And that, like, I just want to point out, like, again, that's not just a business thing. That's a, that's just a, uh, a life thing that can happen in any dynamic relationship dynamic family dynamic it's oh, yeah. really irrelevant yeah. you'll see it a lot in families and like families where there's a, a, a single figure i mean it's it's anything where leverage can be presented it's just any it yeah. Can be, yeah business family friend friend groups whatever yeah. that's it's it can be a cycle for sure yeah and my, my last comment and then i'll go for it kelly sorry to take so long it was um you you were like the the comment about circumnavigating the issue with you looking at other women by finding a woman who's into women and i would say <laughs> yes, but also that's very similar to like I'm 23 and I don't know how to have this conversation. So just just because she's into women doesn't mean like you get to like look at all of them. And I just for oh, anybody yeah, listening who's like, that. let's talk about that. <laughs> there is a let's talk about that. Go for it, Kelly. <laughs> there, is, there is a difference where it's like not that it wasn't like oh when it, it wasn't a way of go, getting around. It was like I realized, and I say it kind of in a more fun way, but like really I realized like that's something I really want to share. Like that's something I want yes. to do together. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like it's it's fun. Like with Kelly, it's like I, I love sending her chicks on Instagram. Like it's just fun. It's just like it's like I yep. make me laugh. Like I'll send her like some random like because uh, Instagram loves throwing ass photos in your face. You can like one fitness model's photo and it's like, hey, your whole Discover feeds ass photos now. I'm like, okay. But send her like the most ridiculous. Shit. It's just and it's funny. It's 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 and for me like the freedom to be able to do that. It's like it's it's not. There's nothing really all that serious about it, and that's why I w- that's why that was the disconnect. I didn't take it that mm-hmm. seriously, but it would it would some for us someone else it was really it was it was hurtful, and so that, sure. was, that was something I wanted to instead of being that I wanted to share it with somebody versus like yeah it wasn't sure. you didn't make an excuse to like yeah I see what you're saying but I think the thing that I want to note here and just I I give Connor a lot of credit for this he's grown a lot and he's matured and grown up a lot in the time that we've been together Connor has a tendency you know, in his younger years and even coming into our relationship to be very unthoughtful and inconsiderate. And he sort of like lives in his own bubble and he thinks everything is just funny and no big deal. And he doesn't, he hasn't taken into consideration, well, how would this affect someone else? Or why, why would this hurt your feelings? That's stupid. Right. And so, so much of what we worked on, especially in the first couple of years was like, him learning how to be more considerate and more thoughtful with his words and his actions. And it wasn't, he's not like he can come across as a dick and a douchebag and that's sort of his MO, but like he's the most sensitive, kind person ever. And I know how much he loves me and, you know, wants me to be happy and doesn't want to hurt my feelings. And so it just took a lot of conversations for me to sort of teach him like, Hey, when you do this thing, this is probably why people respond that way. And He has said many times in our relationship, like, oh, yeah, that's been a problem in the past, right? And so he knows that that's a pattern for him. So my, my, uh, not responsibility, but like, I guess my role in all of this has been to really help him see how he can have freedom of expression in the relationship, in our container, while also being respectful and kind. And... Mm -hmm. 
Sometimes he will definitely cross the boundary and I cry and my feelings are hurt. But for the most part, because we've had so many conversations about this and because I know his heart, he can send me pictures of girls, whether he thinks because I'm going to be into them or because he's into them or because he's just sending me some dumb photo. I now understand where he's coming from. And he also is a lot more kind and respectful in the way he goes about it because my sweet, amazing, wonderful husband has no filter, uh, which is why he does what he does for work and talks about politics and can say all the things. But sometimes that doesn't translate into a relationship. And so I think he's learned a lot about how to communicate with a woman um, and how to explore and be creative and express himself while also being a really amazing partner at the same time, if that makes sense. It it makes yes. It makes more sense than you know. And I, I to be to be to be honest, I I called it out because I picked up on it, and it is a thing. I'll say this transparently: back through college, and even shortly after, there were a lot of Emma's friends who would ask her, "Why are you with Finn? He's such an asshole." Hmm. And she'd be like, "Yeah, you don't. You're 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 yes, yes. He seems that way. You're not getting it all." And that was really on me. It wasn't on her to justify that. It's on me to like, hey, like you don't get to show up and be an asshole to people and they get to just assume you're being funny. Like you have to build a rapport. You have to you have to show up in a better way and build that foundation before you get to unleash that. And and she knew that, but not everybody that we ran in circles with knew that. And so I can relate to that. Um that growth as well. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of it myself. So thank you for sharing that. I mean, I think that's young that. men. I just think that's young men so often. I don't think there's anything mm-hmm. wrong with y'all. It's just like sort of how... Well, there is. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot wrong with you. Yes, that is for sure. I don't know. Um, but I think that there's... It's, some, I think the best thing about Connor and I and why our relationship is what it is and why it works is because we are such good teachers for each other. I am, you know, I have a stick up my ass. I'm very anal retentive. I am very controlling perfectionist. I like organization. I'm just a certain way. And then he's on the other side of the spectrum. And I think the thing that we've done really well for each other is to show each other what's possible and to teach each other how to operate through a different lens and different systems. And so I've helped him mature in ways, ground in ways, get more organized, be more thoughtful. And he's helped me be more wild and free. And that's really fucking cool. If you can create that kind of partnership where you're willing to say the hard thing and yeah it's fucking uncomfortable we have some of the most uncomfortable conversations of all time (laughs) and sometimes i hate them while we're in them but on the other side i feel like we really emerge as better people and i think being in a relationship with someone where you have that sort of trust and respect first and foremost even before love and all the other things then you can cultivate that and you can also learn about new parts of yourself and see your own shadow side and see where you can be a better version of you. And it doesn't mean you have to just change for someone because they want to fix you, but like, how can you raise, how can you elevate who you are in response to that? Yeah. And that's one thing too. Like when, when I started putting in work and like the way I showed up as far as being kind of inconsiderate or rude or just a dick in general, it's like, you got to the point where I was like, we could actually have a conversation. I was like, Hey, am I being a dick? Or are you being too sensitive? Like that, and when, you know what I'm saying? It's like, sometimes it's yeah. both, sometimes it's one or the other. I, mean, I was right? like, maybe it's a little bit of both, right? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's like, hey, are you just like, are you about to start your period? And it's like, that's really what it is. And like, I was just like, I was doing a thing that was fine three days ago. And I just, the timing was weird. And like, then, and then it spiraled up. And like, you know, we've had this conversation, especially going through IVF where hormones were all over the place. And she's like, you're doing this, you're doing that. I'm like, 
last week I did that and it was totally fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, and you were like laughing, like you were, you like almost spit out your water. You were laughing so hard and now you're crying. I'm like, what? I'm, I'm over here because I was like, oh, that works. That makes her put it in a better mood. IVF is really hard. I'm going to make a joke. And then I'm like, oh God, I made a mistake. Like, <laughs> <laughs> let me back up. Let me back up. And then, and then whenever like the hormone stuff was over, I was like, remember when that happened? And you're like, yeah, that was crazy. And I'm like, yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't my fault, right? And you're like, no, that wasn't my fault. <laughs> like, it wasn't my fault either. It was the demon inside of me that was my operating <laughs> system. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, well, thank you for sharing all, all of that. And I'd love for you, Kelly, to start, I guess, a little bit about your story with, mm-hmm. with that monogamy relationships so we can hear your side too. Yeah. You know, it was definitely different than Connor's story. I think um, I kind of made that comment in passing about like, I'm done with men. I'm dating women. Cause I had just gotten out of a long-term relationship with my boyfriend. Um, we had just had an abortion. I was sort of on this emotional roller coaster, and I was also going through like this personal development, spiritual awakening. I was about to go into my first ayahuasca experience and I was just sort of questioning everything. And I was like, well, fuck this. I'm done with men, you know? And I had never been with women before. It wasn't something that had ever really crossed my mind. I didn't know anything about non-monogamy or poly or even that people were bisexual. Like it was just not on my radar. Well, you did make out with girls drunk in college. Like every I was going to get to that. Same <laughs> <laughs> tequila for me to uh, access that part of myself, which I'm sure most women can probably resonate with. But I remember saying that in passing. And then I went into my first ayahuasca experience and a lot of that came forward for me about just my own sexuality and my openness or lack thereof and just all the suppressed parts of myself. And, you know, I had been, I've had like plenty of sexual partners, um, met all men, but I had realized that my body had sort of become a vessel for their pleasure. I had never been taught like that I can ask for what I want or that orgasms, you know, I can have them too every time and all those kinds of things that I think we deal with growing up. And so I just started to question my sexual experiences and my lack of fulfillment and getting what I felt like I needed and the pleasure I deserved. And so when Connor and I had first started dating, I knew that he um, you know, was a very open person and not judgmental. And that's so much of what we bonded over. And I came to him one day and I was like, I think it was probably six weeks into us being together. And I was like, you know, I'm having these feelings for women, sexual, romantic, and I don't really know what to do with them. And he was so supportive and he didn't even bring up to me like, oh yeah, you know, like I'm into that. He very much let me have my experience, which I appreciate, especially looking back. I never felt any pressure from him. Like, oh good. So we're going to do this thing now, right? Like you're what I wanted. Yeah. And, and so he let me sort of process it and I got to ask him questions and he knew a lot about it because of Chris Ryan and all these podcasts and his own experiences, which I, I didn't even know who Chris Ryan was or Aubrey or any of this. And so, you know, I was like this little like innocent baby coming to him with like crazy feelings that I felt like at the time. And he's like, it's okay. Like there's nothing wrong with you. There are women like this. I know bisexual women. I was like, what? So I just like soaked up all the information. And then I think probably a few weeks passed of conversations. And then he said, you know, this is something that I have wanted is to be in a relationship where we can make our own rules. I don't necessarily want to be open where we both go off and do our own thing, but I really want to create like this team dynamic where we get to have experiences together and we get to explore. And I don't necessarily believe in monogamy and here's why. And, 
you know, I've wanted to be with a woman who's into women. And I was like, wait, what is (laughs) non-monogamy? So then we went down that whole route. And so it was just like constant questions and education. And we talked for probably six months before anything ever happened. And we were also... Was it that long? It was... Yeah. I mean, it was like March until that fall or like late that summer. Yeah. Yeah, No, that fall. It was like March until October until the first time we ever had a threesome. And we also went through somatic therapy at that time, which is a very long story that I'm not going to let him add anything to because he has very strong (laughs) opinions about this that are not, (laughs) don't need to be here. But what it did for me, (laughs) what it did for me and for us was it, because our um, facilitators were monogamish, they taught us what that phrase even was. And they taught me that I wasn't wrong and that I didn't need to carry shame around my feelings. And to hear that from another woman who very much is like a motherly figure, that really helped me process all of this. And also I could go to her with like whatever thought was coming up and I could process it with her and then take it to Connor and say, Hey, this is something I'm struggling with. This is what Heike and I talked about. Can we now talk about this? And so I felt like I had support on a lot of levels and that I was also able to process some of the like shame and feelings of not being okay before I brought it to him to not, you know, obviously he's not a therapist. I don't need to put it all on him. And so I think, you know, that really helped the conversations. And then like he mentioned earlier, he told me, he was like, your friend wants to fuck you. And I'm like, what do you mean? And so then we ended up hooking up with her and it was amazing and beautiful. And so, so great because I trusted her and she's, she was one of my closest friends. And so that's kind of what started everything. Yeah. Although I, I want to just throw a little bit of props at, at you, Connor, like, cause I can see how it's so easy when somebody comes in and says, well, I'm interested in women. And, and like, you can see like the slot machine line up with like threesome, threesome, threesome. And you're like, <laughs> Like, of course, that's what's going to happen. But and, and ultimately, yes, you did get there. But it wasn't like the first word out of your mouth. You encouraged her to explore that on her own. I think that's mm. that's really great. And I also yeah. am happy that your first experience was a happy one, a yeah, successful right? one, because oh, yeah. that doesn't always happen. Well, especially with well, a friend. You know, had a little bit of a breakdown, though, too. I did. It was... It was, but it was it was brief and it was good. It was good and it was and the thing was too and this is what I thought this is what the way I kind of explained it to Kelly was like it's not about because this is the thing I think people always think about with threesomes and that's kind of our primary like outlet for any kind of like exploration is some kind of us with somebody else or variations of that um, is like it's not necessarily like somebody being used I think about that all the time and Kelly was like that in the beginning she was like I don't want the person to stay at our house I don't want and it was like it was like so you just want and I was like think about what you would feel like if somebody just used you like everybody's been there right like been used that way it's like that's not that's not nice to someone like these are real human beings you know that have real feelings and I'm like or you could look at it like this the person that we were with wasn't great at asking for what she wanted, right? So we put her in a situation where she's extremely comfortable and you're already kind of over the hump of like doing something outside the norm. So asking for what you want, need, all this kind of stuff, it's a little bit easier because you've already kind of broken the seal of like, we're doing something different now. You know, because none of us had done this before. We're all kind of, I mean, I, I had been with with two women at, at different times in my life, but not with a partner. And um, And so for our friend... 
it was actually really good for her too. Cause then when she got into her next relationship, it was much more healthy sexually. She could ask for what she wanted. She was able to explore more. And it's always like, it was, and then, and then Kelly was able to do that with me. So it was like, everybody, it was like one of these things where it wasn't somebody being used. It wasn't, it was like everybody, it was a net win for literally everyone involved. And it was like one of those things we could like, it happened a couple of times. We could just like laugh about it later on. And like, it wasn't charged or anything crazy, but it was, you know, it was like, I remember they would have conversations down the road whenever she started dating someone else. And she's like, oh, we did this and did that. And it was like, that was a different person than the person that came over that night, you know? And it was, for me, I was like, wow, that's awesome. Like, that's really cool. And that's happened numerous times. Not that we're like healing people or anything like that with like threesomes. Um, but it does have that kind of effect of, of breaking you out of your, out of the form that you're normally in and, and, and getting you in a different situation where you can ask for what you want and need for everybody involved, you know? Well, I think we learned early on, I'm sure you guys get this is like it's not just about sex it's like people think that non-monogamy poly whatever is just like orgies and crazy sex and like just you know getting your rocks off and like yeah i always say orgasms are awesome totally here for them and for me being held by another woman in such a vulnerable situation and trusting another woman with my husband and having that experience, all of us together, there are so many levels of sisterhood wounds that I have healed and the way I view myself and my body and like body image issues and trusting women and showing up in like such powerful ways. And Connor like loves having, you know, variation in his life and novelty and getting to just have fun and tell cool stories. Like there's just, there's so many levels that and and parts of ourselves that I feel like can get fulfilled by exploring non-monogamy and whatever version that is for you and not just focusing on the sex because it's not always going to go well. And it is going to involve hard conversations or weird experiences that you then have to kind of break down and figure out what the fuck to do next. And so if you can be open to like everything that it involves and encompasses, I think that's when you get a very like holistic experience that allows you to receive so many different things that is not just tied into a penis and a vagina, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I want to just also call out, like you made the, the sort of the passing comment there, Connor, about like, we're not healing people with threesomes, but in some ways you kind of do. And if you, if you can, if you kind of show up in the right way, and I just want to also tie it back to the power imbalance where you have a third person, whether it does, regardless of gender coming into a dynamic where there's an established couple and they're they're at a disadvantage. They're at a power disadvantage. They have a lot more to lose. There's a lot more at risk. And if you can navigate that in a way that they come away from that experience feeling empowered, that they were able to show up and ask two people for what they want in that environment, then yes, the next time they can go out and they can ask and they can they've sort of gained that confidence. And I think that's just a, a an important thing for people to remember in threesomes is like unless the three of you are all on equal footing, somebody's coming into an imbalance Mm -hmm. and, and like that needs extra care. And I know it's easy to, as a couple to be like, well, we're protecting us. And it's like, yes, but like you said, like this is another human and they showed up here for something for themselves as well. And they should be able to have a voice in what that experience looks like and be taken care of just the way that that the you two are going to take care of each other when they leave. And I think that's just something that can get missed so easily. And I appreciate you calling it out. Yeah. And I, I wanted to ask too, you know, so many people ask us and ask in general, 
is it smart to like seek out a friend <laughs> to <laughs> hook up with? <laughs> and what what is your experience there? Because people are afraid, like, will it ruin the friendship? Will it cha- fundamentally change what we have? Or maybe it does feel safer. So it is a better option. And I'd just love for you two to expand on your experience with that. I mean, it's kind of funny because we've had varied experiences with friends, people that were friends and then led into that. So like that one, the first one was great. But it wasn't, and that's the thing too, is like, I wasn't really all that into her, but I just knew it was a good, I knew it was a good fit. It wasn't like, oh, we're super, it's like, it wasn't supercharged for me. He knew I felt safe. She, Kelly felt great about it. She felt super safe. That was the situation. The only time we ever hooked up with one of my friends, I got kicked out. Yeah. <laughs> and, that was just, and it was funny because that's something that she and I had like vibed years prior. And then she was in town and we were hanging out and Kelly's like, you should go to get drinks with her and like bring her back home because Kelly didn't really feel like going out. And I was like, oh, this will be fun. And everything was going great. And then we're like in the uh, the, the meditation room, the threesome room. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> actually, it's a little bit much with Connor here. And I was like, what? <laughs> so yeah. I just went downstairs and like, he was like, I think do I just you want? He's like, do you want me to leave? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, and I, went just, I think I just went downstairs and like watch Rick and Morty or something. I don't know yeah. what I was doing. He was like watching TV and she and I continued to hook up and she like was so much more comfortable and felt so much better. And I think it was hard for her. She had never been with a woman. She had never had a threesome and her and Connor had been friends forever. And so I think she just felt really overwhelmed by everything, but she really wanted to have this experience with me and she and I like very much connected. And so I think she just felt comfortable telling you to leave, yeah. which I, really respect her it for. was it, it was like it's such a funny story because i wasn't like i wasn't like mad about it i was just like that kind of sucks because I, like it was the thing was it was somebody we had like flirted before and i was like oh this is gonna be really interesting that like that happened back then and nothing happened and we like kind of stayed friends and then now it's like we're getting together this is before we were married too and i was like this is so crazy and then um yeah and then i'm like downstairs on the like watching tv like wow that was that was not what i expected but that's what you get for having expectations i guess it yeah. was just but then but then kelly then after she leaves and everything's good um kelly's like oh my god i needed that so much and i was like good yeah. Win. Everybody wins. That's the thing is I really appreciate. And this is not to your question, but I just want to add this in is like, I think being a woman who had never explored anything sexually outside of like the absolute norm to be with someone who really encouraged me to have one-on-one experiences with other women and didn't feel like I was doing anything that took away from him, but that he really felt like she, Kelly gets a lot out of this, which also makes our relationship better. I think I just, I give him so much credit for that as well, because I think that that has been so important for me. And I did say that that night, I was like, wow, I really needed that. There are, there are so many parts of me that are met by other women that he cannot meet. And I don't expect him to meet. And I think that's the, the other beautiful part of this is when you don't make your partner, your everything. And this is with friendship or, you know, other partners is like, Allowing that person to get their cup filled by other experiences is really, really cool. And it's something that I think he's just just done such a good job supporting. So I just wanted to call that out. But to your point, we've had it's been very interesting, like the friend dynamic versus women we've met on Bumble or on Instagram. And I think that like the friend one friends friend ones have been really good. We've br- pretty much stayed friends with everyone. Yeah, Nothing kind of has little, really fallen apart. The lines are blurred. It's like 
because then we like hook up with people and then we become friends with them and then we don't it's like it's we just had a girl house city or watching our dog this weekend who we had a threesome with one time and connor and her are just really good friends now and they talk all the time and nothing else ever happened and now she's like watching our dog she's like i'll babysit when you have the baby that's really cool you know and like no love lost (laughs) and then sometimes like we hooked up we we, this one girl one time and it was like a one-time thing we went on a bumble date came home it was really fun and then she started dating someone like two weeks later. We're like, great. And then we just never talked again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's that happened. You know, it's like so many varieties of what happened. But there was a point, and I do want to speak to this a little bit because I think this is relevant, where at the beginning, there was a point where it was like, it was all about Kelly being comfortable. And then it got to a point where I'm like, okay, I'm bored yeah. with this. And like, we need to start leaning things in a different direction. It was like, it was like 80 20, Kelly. And I was like, get, dude, I've got to have, you got you to gotta like throw me a bone here. Because at first, like, the boundaries were so strict. Like, I couldn't kiss. Like couldn't have sex. Like these were things that if happened. he looked at them the wrong way, I was like, oh hell no. And I was like, dude, get a fucking calm down. Like everybody knows you're the boss. Like we get it, you know. It's <laughs> and so that like that was a, an interesting shift. Where I'm like, hey, and now it's gotten to the point now where that's that's something that's been coming up more and more um, lately. And then of course things have been a little bit different the last year or so with the baby and everything else. But um, that was something that I was like kind of nervous about. I was like, oh god, I have to have this conversation because this is driving me crazy. But I had like it's not going to be easy to be. Like, hey, we need to change things because this is. I know we're having threesomes technically, but like, it's not. I'm not really having my needs met here. This is like, I'm I'm 100 concerned constantly about you being comfortable, and I gotta I've gotta change that on my own. And I need you to know that I'm changing that too. Yeah, and I I give yeah. him props for speaking to that because I know that was really hard for him because at the end of the day, I am whether it was his girlfriend at the time or now his wife and soon to be mother of his child. Like, he cares so much about my experience and my feelings and my safety and all of that, and it just became so overwhelming for him, and he wasn't having fun. And yes. My all my insecurities are brought up in this. Yes, this is extremely stressful for me sometimes. And I had every boundary under the sun in the beginning. It was like he didn't need to be there. He truly did not, um, except to have sex with me while someone else was watching. That was literally like his only role. And I think that that was a good place for me to start because it did build my ability to feel safe and our trust and all of that. But I'm glad he said something because at some point, like, it needs to be, we're supposed to be doing this as a team and having fun together. And he's just kind of like being there. Mm-hmm. And we had talked about, I felt like the third. Yeah. He felt like the third and that's not what we were aiming for. I think it just like is kind of what happened. And I remember we had talked a lot about what would it look like if someone was more into him than me? What was, what would it look like if I was sort of in that more supporting role similar to what he had been. And I poo-pooed that over and over again. I was like, absolutely not. That is not allowed. I, that is not okay. You're going to leave me for her. You know, the whole shenanigan. And then we had this experience where this girl came and it was her first experience. And she and Connor had kind of talked on, on Instagram for a long time. And so they, you know, had a rapport and I could just tell, like, this is the moment we've been talking about. She's more into (laughs) him. I'm not super connected to her. I'm just going to take a step back and I'm going to be here, but I'm not going to be super participatory. And it worked out amazing. And I was totally fine. And I remember telling him after she left, like, that was great. And he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, I had no qualms. It didn't bother me at all. And so it's so funny how we create these stories in our heads about what it's going to be like. And then it happens and we're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. Like, why did I do that? Right. And so I think that we, you know, just again, it always comes back to communication How do you talk about it? How honest can you be? How many uncomfortable conversations are you willing to have so that both of you are having your needs met? Yeah, Yeah. I love that. I love that experience because, you know, 
like to your point, <laughs> it's so easy to build up the anxiety, to build up the stories to be like, this is going to be the worst. <laughs> and then especially like if you orchestrate it, then you prepare yourself and it's like, okay, that's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And this time it sounds like you had prepared yourself, but still like the experience itself, you found yourself in there and was like, this is, this is happening. This is what we've been talking about. I didn't, you didn't necessarily over prepare, mm -hmm. but you did prepare somewhat by having the conversations for sure. And then just went with it. And I think that's amazing. And then at the end, I mean, you could have said something during, right. But like at, at the end being like, no, that was okay. And sometimes it takes going through the experience to realize like, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the yeah. same thing happened. I, you know, I wouldn't let him have penetrative sex with anyone for a really long time. And then it happened to be his birthday. And we happened to have this girl over that we had just started talking to. And I think we had hooked up with her one time. Um, a couple times. Yeah. Maybe a couple yeah. times. And I had, sex was a hard no for me. And she knew that and she was amazing and, um, you know, super respectful. And I remember being in the middle of it, which I do not recommend for anyone to do this, but this is my experience. Um, I looked at, <laughs> I looked at him and I said, I want you to fuck her. And he was like, excuse me. And she was like, stop everything. Stop. She got off whoever she was on. She stepped back and she was like, we're talking. <laughs> and she was like, are you sure? Why are you making this decision? What's going on? And she totally advocated for me like a best friend would. And I was so grateful. And I was like, no, this actually feels really good. And so it happened and it felt amazing. And it ended up being like, this. it's one of my favorite parts of the experiences with him is that happening. And it was, it was this thing that I was so scared of. Like my world was going to completely collapse the moment that it happened. And I actually learned so much about myself and the the stories that I told myself and the stress that I put in myself for things that I really didn't need to. I'm glad I had boundaries, of course. Like I think that's so important. And I would always recommend people make decisions not while you're having sex with people. But at the same point, like I'm really grateful that I listened to, to my body and to my heart. And I was like, no, I feel very safe. This feels very sacred to me. I really trust this person. And it worked out really well. Yeah. And you can always... That's the thing too. I think it's a lot of times nice to have boundaries and like till you're like hungry for the next thing where you're like anticipating mm. the next thing like it's i mean you don't want to like kick the can down the road too far but it's like at least you have you know it's hard going to zero to a hundred just like it just seems like it, it 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 things blow apart like way more often than not yeah. and it's like get to your point where you're like oh like i'm excited for the next thing not like i'm it's not anxious i mean there's a little bit of both like those things are very like the there's a fine line between anxiety and excitement <laughs> but but i yeah. think the place of of really like getting too comfortable in a place where you can be really stoked on what you're about, what, what the next thing is and not rushing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's huge. And one of the things that we, we, we typically don't give a lot of advice here, but like one of the things that we do say to people is like, let's say you're going to go to a sex club for the first time or a swinger party. You're, you're, you're much better off leaving that experience going, I want more next time than you are leaving that experience going, why the fuck did I do that? I'm never going back. <laughs> yeah. Like th those two, like you can always go back and do something next time. You can never go back and undo something you did. And, and that's not to say like, don't ever take risks. Don't ever push yourself. But like in this case, like you knew, like you knew when it was time and like awesome for her to step back and be like, Oh, well, breaks are on. We're talking before we fuck. Like, I love that. Like, good <laughs> yeah. for her. Like, yeah. that's kick ass. Like, I always kind of like, to the line that I use people when we're, if you're ever doing like recreational drugs, you know, because I've had this point where I've done too many, too many drugs or whatever it is. And I, <laughs> people are t trying things out. Or I remember telling Kelly this the first time she tried any like MDMA or something. I was like, 
you can always do more. You can never do less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> Once it's down, yep. the hatch is gone. Yeah. <laughs> you can always do more, but you can never do less. Yeah. Yeah. That is great advice in all aspects of life. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I love it. I love it. You know, you two have alluded to the fact that you're expecting a baby soon. And I was curious how that dynamic has shifted your relationship and, and these experiences. Can, can I ask one before you jump into that? And, and just to, to build Sorry, two. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's right in line with that is you've talked a little bit about that. It sounds like a lot of the dynamic is meeting other women for threesomes. But could you talk a little bit about like, let's say right before the baby to like where you two kind of landed, like what it typically oh, yeah. looked like, let's say in a given month or three month period. And then, and then, yeah, how did the baby play into that and, and come about? Well, we know how it came about, but <laughs> the, change the relationship. You take the first one. Yeah. Well, I'll yeah. take the second part. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know. It, it wasn't like, oh, we, hey, we found out we're pregnant. Like it, it was, IVF is a very challenging process. So sure. our, it, it, I almost want to like say like before IVF started because there's like a before IVF, mm -hmm. IVF sex life and then there's an after IVF sex life. And there was like brief yeah. moments where it was like normal in between, but they were, uh, very brief. they were like a surprise. Like, oh, hey, this week's going to be cool. And um, before it was kind of like we would, we would meet someone usually on, you know, either social media, like social media or something like that. Like, cause we weren't really, especially cause this was during COVID too. We had to remember that like we weren't going out that much. Like, we and that yeah. was me. And I'm so extroverted that I'm like, I just need to be talking to people. So I was like having, I was just meeting people anywhere I could because I couldn't go anywhere. Um, sure. so it was something like that. And it would be like, it was, it was pretty standard. Either I would go out and meet them for a drink and like bring them home, which is kind of something Kelly always liked. And she'd just be like, you know, drinking a glass of wine and like watching a movie and I'd like bring somebody home. And then a lot of it was like, I enjoyed that part more. I enjoyed the, like, like the, the dating or the talking and that kind of stuff. And Kelly's like, I just want to just like bring her home. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, you, if you think it's going to work, bring it home. And she would like, trust my judgment on that. And then we, yeah, we were usually together. Sometimes Kelly would like go get started in the bedroom and I would like stay in the living room with her and like get comfortable and do, you know, get kind of get started with a little foreplay or whatever, and then bring her upstairs or send her upstairs to Kelly or vice versa. It's just, we would play different like things like that, like different dynamics where the order of operations were the same, but it was all very similar. And we got, we got really comfortable with that. Then once IVF started, like just emotions were so kind of all over the place, but that was, that was where it kind of, got to it. I I was kind of not a little bit bummed just because we didn't get to we didn't get a chance to do more like go out to a bar or something like that and like meet someone there. But we just didn't have the opportunity because of the way that COVID was handled and we just didn't get a chance mm -hmm. to like get out and like go and then people would have masks on. It was just like it was just not an environment for for finding robust threesomes. No, it was not. <laughs> well, and I just want to add to what Connor was saying prior to we had gotten to a point which i think was really awesome where we wanted each like each of us obviously has sex differently and i connect with a woman differently than he would connect with a woman and so we really tried to create dynamics once we were home and like everyone was comfortable and like good where he would have his own experience for a little bit and then i could have my own experience and then all three of us were together and i think that that was really great for us because yeah. we both got to express ourselves differently. And we also really liked that the other, per the other person was getting to do something in the way that felt really good to them. And then we got to meet together and all be together. And I really liked, like, I hate small talk. I don't like the whole like awkward date whole thing. It just drives me crazy. And so I just started opting out of that. And I would just like send him out. I'm like, I trust you. You know, the boundaries, 
you know, talk to the girls, like obviously tell them what's up, make sure they know I'm okay with this. Um, and sometimes I would talk to the girls before he would go out with them just so they knew like, you know, everything's mm-hmm. kosher. And then he would go out and he just had so much fun with that part. Then that's what I'm speaking to is like, we really both get such different things out of this. And Even so, if it didn't really work out, it was just like, yeah. fun. it was just like fun. Like you know, many I, times yeah. he'd go out and have a drink with a girl and come back alone. And he was like, no, like I wasn't feeling it or I don't think that you would be into this, but he got to go out and do a thing. Like he got to go on a date with another girl while with me and everything was great. And then we'd like watch a movie and maybe we'd have sex or not. But yeah, and it was something, it was, it was cool. also like, it was like fantasy fodder for us too. We yeah. like played different things. But even when I was single, I was just like, used to love bad dates. You know, it was like something I talked about on the podcast or whatever. And it was like, I learned something really weird. I'll be like, be like arguing with somebody I don't really know at like a date <laughs> over like politics. I'm like, wow, that was really interesting. Like that was a crazy experience. Cause you would go, especially with the modern dating apps, like you, you could just, when you were single, you could just go on so many dates, especially in your twenties when everybody else is single. It was, it was wild. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. And then what was the second part of that the, question? So then IVF. So what I was going to get into is we started IVF in December of last year and um, it's been way harder than we had anticipated. Like we really thought that we were prepared. Yeah. Because we had um, to do the extraction and the implant, which all require hormones and they were all like in this close window, which when we do it again for the next one, we'll just have to do the like a third of what we had to do because yeah. the, the extraction portion where they're taking the eggs and that, that's a lot. It's just a lot going on and it's, yeah, it's, it's heavy. Yeah. And I think we just, I mean, I was, they make you go on birth control when you start, um, to do the egg extraction and, um, three days into the birth control, I was like suicidal. I didn't want to be with him anymore. I was calling my friends. Like, I think I want a divorce. I don't want kids. Like it really screwed me up. And so we were just fighting constantly for months and there would be like glimpses of clarity where we'd be like, Oh yeah, I like you. (laughs) And we had just gotten married in October. So it was just, it was very intense. It was a lot at once. I was constantly crying. I, I mean, I had tears coming out of my eyes and I had no idea why. And he didn't know how to handle it. Um, and so it was very overwhelming. We were not really having sex. We would have like obligatory sex every few weeks just to like be like, oh yeah, we're married. Like we should probably do this. Um, but it wasn't super enjoyable. You know, we weren't like sexually attracted to each other after screaming at each other. And I didn't even feel attracted to him because birth control change your, changes your pheromones. And so it was just like a lot of, a lot of things at once. Um, and then when I came out of the extraction, uh, or yeah, out of the extraction and he had had his procedure as well, I had about two weeks where I felt relatively normal. And then we moved right into the transfer. And so I was back on hormones again and I was back feeling suicidal and hated my body and I was bloated and I was exhausted and I was angry. And so it was just, it was a lot of that for probably seven or eight months. Um, you know, we're pretty far into pregnancy now. We're expecting this winter. Um, so things have evened out, but I had to stay on hormones until I was 10 weeks pregnant. So I had pregnancy hormones plus injections, which wasn't enjoyable. And then, you know, first trimester, this is IVF or not. My vagina was dry as fuck. It was like a goddamn desert and I had no sex drive and I was puking all the time. And yeah. It, like, that was gross. It was so funny. Cause you'd be like, Oh yeah, we're gonna have sex tonight. And then all of a sudden he's in the bathroom and, and I'm like, that's not, I, I'm not, that's not arousing at all. Like, or like, let me just pour all like, the lube on my vagina. And then it's like a goddamn slip and slide. And he's like, cool. Can't feel anything. <laughs> It's just like it's just like you go from being like, hey, we're married now. This is cool, and then to like, whoa, this yeah, is, all right, you know? yeah. Um, but then second trimester, I finally got my sex drive back, and I'm, I kind of calmed down emotionally, and I became myself again. And you know, that was a really hard conversation we had. And again, I give us credit for being willing to do it, but 
we had one of those fights where you like follow each other around the house, you know, you're like in the gym, then you're in the living room and then you're in the office. And it was one of those days. And I remember we finally ended up in the gym and he said the thing that he had been like holding on to. And he was like, I feel like I just married you and I lost my wife and I don't know if you're ever coming back again. And I just looked at him and I said, I feel the same way. And it was this really fucked up kind of bonding moment where we were having the same experience with me (laughs) together and the same fear of like, yeah, we did just get married and we're so in love and Connor and I are best friends. We run our company together. We do everything together. And it was like, that was all stripped away and I was gone. And there was some like demon in our house. And from then on, I think things kind of got better because we were just able to say like, Hey, I need you to show up like this. Hey, I'm struggling with this. This makes me uncomfortable. I'm scared about that. And I think things, I don't know, you can speak to that, but it felt like things got a little better emotionally because we just, we just mouth diarrhea at all the problems. And it was mm-hmm. like, Oh, we're actually totally on the same page. We're just showing up very differently right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can't wait to, for our kid to be old enough to listen to this podcast. I know what we had to go through for them to be born. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> You're also so expensive. <laughs> You're so expensive. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think it was, yeah, it was wild. And that's, I don't think I was like, it wasn't the thing I was like holding onto and like not saying it. Just like in that moment, I'm like, I don't know where my wife is, dude. Like I didn't, this isn't the person I married, but also I felt bad saying that there were so many things that I had to hold on to not saying just because of what Kelly was going through. And I understood that. Right. Like we were going to hit golf balls and I would just, and that's one thing too, when she was not feeling great or especially early in the pregnancy, like we, um, right before she got pregnant, we started, I started playing a lot of golf. I haven't played golf since a kid, but like I got, a, I'm in my mid thirties and I'm a white dude. So I started playing a lot of golf, like a lot of golf. <laughs> and, um, I've, uh, yeah, I still play a lot of golf, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and it's just something I'm passionate about, but also like when the kid, when we, when we had the pregnancy coming on, the kids coming on me, like, Oh, I like to do a lot of things and I want to do these things with my children a lot of these things that I love to do, I won't be able to do when I'm 70, but I can play golf forever. And that's something that I think, you know, for, that I think what I want to share with my kids. That's something that my grandfather who raised me, like he wishes he, he tells me all the time. He, I wish I would have done this with you. I wish I would have done that with you because he was working all mm-hmm. the time. And that's all he knew. Um, I begged him to go elk hunting since I was 12 years old. Right. And I just killed my first elk this this last year. It took me three years to do it. And I like remember calling him being like, I finally did it, you know, and it was just a huge, I was like sobbing. It was like a huge moment for me. And so I learned those lessons from him because he worked all the time. And I'm like, I built my life where I could be around this kid. So like those, those things really drove, drove me. Anyways, we were long way to say we were driving to go hit golf balls. So I want Kelly to be a part of that too. And, um, on the way there, we just like blew up in this like fight, right? Which was happening every four or five days because the hormones, it was just like the rational discourse did not exist. Right. And I'm, we're usually pretty good about talking things out. Like we don't usually blow up at each other, but it was just like, Zero to a hundred, right? I remember being like, I feel like I can't even talk. I can't even bring the threesome thing up. I've been holding on to this. I can't even like, we can't even have like a fun, like we would just have like, when we talk about it, it'd be kind of a fun, lighthearted conversation about what we want or what and I'm like, I don't, I'm like walking on eggshells all the time for seven or eight months, you know? And it's, I'm like, I I'm losing my fucking mind. Like I'm trying to be compassionate for you here, but Jesus Christ, like I've got to say something. And it just like, that was a really real conversation that I was, I was that, that's something I was holding on to. Whereas that was a little bit different than me realizing in the moment that I'm like, where the fuck is my wife? You know, and knowing that now, I think, I think the biggest thing that was a challenge with all of that was like knowing that we had no idea. I think it was going to be okay. And being like blindsided by how bad it was kind of the opposite of like me having sex with that, our, our friend. It was like, <laughs> Oh, this is going to be, this is going to be a huge deal. And it's like, Oh, that's not that big of a deal. We're like, Oh, this is going to be really fun. We're going to have a, you know, we're going to do this whole birth story thing. It'll be great. And we're like, you know, it's a fucking disaster. 
and everything's great. And we, um, it's totally worth it. And this baby's coming soon, but it's like, dude, <laughs> that was a lot. And so for us, like now we're actually in the point now where first trimester sex, meh, second trimester sex. Awesome. You get big boobs. You get all kinds of things. Crazy sex drive. Third trimester sex. Like, and now we're in the point like, okay, now after the baby's here and we're back in, like, what are we going to do? How are we going to do things differently? And now we're in that, like, almost like planning and setting the stage for like, what's our sex life going to be like after the baby's here? And I'm like, I could tell Kelly, Kelly today, I was thinking when I was, I was driving to go duck hunting or something, I was just like thinking about it. I'm like, I think instead of dating, like, you know, late girls in the late 20s, we're, we're going to be hooking up with like moms, like single moms. <laughs> I'm like, we're going to have to get childcare and shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think that is cool though. It's like, we're finally at a point where I feel, I mean, I feel huge. Like I feel like I'm the size of a whale, but I feel more secure in myself and also our relationship and just the way Connor's shown up. And so it's really nice to be at this point where we can have conversations like, oh, like I'm into this girl or, hey, we've never done this thing. I think, you know, once the baby comes and we're, you know, up for air again, it'd be really cool if we could try this. And I was telling him too, it's really interesting to think about my, um, my connection with my body and sort of the insecurities falling away post baby with, um, being scared he's going to leave me or feeling like I'm not good enough. I feel like being pregnant and I don't know that everyone has this experience, but it's connecting me to myself and my, my knowing and my confidence in a way I've never had before. And so I'm really curious because I feel like it's going to be such a positive impact on our sex life and the experiences we have and my willingness to be curious because so much of the like bullshit that you worry about when you're younger just falls away because your priorities shift and you just have a different connection to yourself and your partner going through this experience. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that. <laughs> that's no, a that's lot. amazing. And, <laughs> and, and like, it's no, all good. not at all. And I it's it. such a like powerful journey to go on together. And I mean, not that it was fun, but like it has bonded you two in a way that I don't know how you ever break that after after you survive that together like it's oh. it's incredible and i you you kind of touched on i i had two questions that i've been thinking about for a while and and kelly you touched on sort of one of them so i guess i'll lead with that one which is around it kind of you talked about like you got kicked out of the threesome and kelly you were worried about some different things and how i guess how did you two find the self-confidence to be able to do some of this because that takes that takes a lot of self-worth and self-confidence to be like booted out of an interaction that you kind of started. And then you're just like hanging out watching TV. It's really easy to let that like consume you slide into a place of, well, I guess she's just done with me. I, nobody needs me. I'm out. And, and so to, to be able to find the, like, I'm good enough in who I am to be able to say, yeah, please go have your experiences. Even if I'm not a part of them. Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, I still have very strict boundaries about him going and, you know, having any sort of sexual intercourse or hooking up with women without me there. He, I sent him off to do that one time and it completely blew up in our faces. And I learned that lesson really early that I'm just not there yet. So I don't want people to think I'm like, you know, okay with everything. But, um, I think for me, it's a constant conversation and this is just really personal development, right. And like radical honesty with myself why am I so upset about something? Why am I so bothered? I just ask myself really good questions because 
nine times out of 10, it has nothing to do with him. It's either because my parents weren't emotionally available for me, or I have old abandonment wounds, or I don't feel you know good about my body, or I'm not good enough and I'm not perfect. So of course he's going to leave me for someone else. Like that's all my own shit. I would do that with anyone. It doesn't have to be Connor. And so I think I've gotten really good at when those things come up saying, where's this coming from and why? And also what do I need? Because what I've noticed about my own pattern is that usually when I'm being a psycho insecure person, it's because I'm not taking care of myself. I'm not meeting my own needs. I'm not taking baths. I'm not having girl time, you know, platonic girl time with my friends. I'm not going on hikes or whatever that is. And so then I'm relying on him to fix it all and fill my cup. And that's not fair. That's not his job. And so I know that when I'm taking care of myself and I'm being radically honest and I'm saying like, Hey, this is an old pattern or an old belief system and you don't have to perpetuate it. You know that Connor loves you. He has proven it time and time again. This is not about him finding someone else to leave you. This is about curiosity and different experiences. When I sort of talk myself through it, I'm like, oh yeah, like this is really beneficial. There's really no negative downside to it. Obviously things come up, but I think that's that's really helped my confidence and also just you know, squelch any fears that had come forward. But I know that if I'm not having those conversations with myself or I'm not just being honest, then of course I'm going to blame him. Like, of course you want to fuck this girl. Like you think she's hotter than me and she's into this and I'm not. And you know, and then I just go down that rabbit hole and that's just, that's really unfair. So that's my side. How do you deal with it? Um, for me in that situation, listen, here's the thing. I was a fat kid growing up. Okay. So I was like, I was, I was 200 pounds in the sixth grade. Uh, I was also like six foot tall. So I was just like a big, awkward, lumbering, like puppy human. And when I was a junior in high school, I lost like 40 pounds um, by just like not eating and working in the manual labor job in the oil field, uh, which then I found out when you like remove a couple of those chins, like there's some bone structure underneath there. And then I was six foot four and then I was an athlete and then I was a strength and conditioning coach and competitor. And I'm, I'm playing on fucking house money, man. I get to have three sons. My, my wife's hot as fuck. Like it's, it's just crazy. Like it's weird. I don't know. And like, I, I could say a bunch of other things, but it's like, I'm just stoked. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's, it's just like, I don't, Sometimes I feel like I'm playing a video game of my life and I just feel like something happened. Like, I don't know if you look at like a multiverse, like a Marvel style multiverse, like how many lives I, how many of those little branches end up here. Um, but I'm pretty stoked that I'm in this one, you know, like things are always awesome. But in that too, just knowing like, Hey, like I've actually gone out and ended up going home and like sleeping with two roommates, you know what I mean? Or like fun story, like the, one of the, Second, I think the second threesome I ever had was two girls that both had boyfriends that both talked shit about me behind my back that they would just tell me about. And I hated both of these guys for no reason. They just hated me. And their girlfriends wanted to sleep with me. And I'm like, I wouldn't do this if you guys were such assholes. And it was like one of the sweetest experiences of just justice in my life. You know what I mean? And it was like, they were, I was like, I was like, your girlfriends wouldn't want to fuck me if you weren't so threatened by me for no reason, just for existing. Right. So like there's, I've had those experiences and it was fun. So for Kelly, it's like, she's never like her whole life up until we started dating she had wanted to be with women and didn't really like ever let herself feel that so who am i to be like oh i'm, I'm so butthurt about not being involved in this thing whenever it's like hey man like you're doing i got to i got a chance to like i was doing this i was learning to sexually express myself first so i feel like you know not that you're playing catch up it's not like a like that type of game but it's like good to you and then our sex life is also better afterwards like it's a there's a win in there somewhere 
You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm winning anyways. Like I said, I'm playing on house money, but it's like, if you just, did, I could, there were times I was a little bit, I, the frustration around me getting kicked out of my own threesome that I orchestrated wasn't about that specific experience. It was that we were in that phase of time where I'm like, I need things to be a little bit more about me. And then that happened. And I was like, God damn it. Like, and then we got to go through the whole process again. And that was annoying, but it wasn't ever about like, oh, you know, that's, that's where we were at. So it was a, you know, I think there's just, I think it's just finding your wins in there, you know, not, not, and don't avoid, don't use that to like avoid your own feelings. But for me, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, here's where I am. Like, Kelly, whenever um, the first person we slept with came and visit with visit us for a couple of days, like I wasn't that into it. So I was like grocery shopping and Kelly's like hooking up with her in the middle of the day. I was like, I'll go to the grocery store and be productive while you're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think, and I think that this, the point we got to was the conversation around uh, and it goes either way. If you want to leave me, you're going to leave me, whether we're doing this or not. If I try and control you and put a bunch of rules on you and tell you no, like you can leave anyways. So I think that really helped me and like understand that whatever it is, if he is going to go find his soulmate and the person he wants to be with or someone who he just thinks is a better fit for him, then he's going to do that regardless of what our relationship structure is like, hi, well, welcome to the divorce rates. Like it goes in, in any structure. And so I think having those conversations and also Connor said something to me a really long time ago that I kind of use as a mantra and he'll probably correct me because I'm saying it wrong, but it's something about like my love for you and love in general is not a zero sum game just because like I have, you know, feelings for someone else or I'm attracted to someone else or like vibe with them sexually doesn't take anything away from you. And my whole thing was it always takes away from me. She has a better ass than me, or you like her ass that I'm not good enough. And he was like, it's not how that, that's not how that works. And so I always tell myself whenever he's, you know, if I feel triggered, which is pretty rare these days, but if he sends me a photo of someone, I'm like, wow, she has an amazing ass. Like she's way more attractive than I am. Then I remind myself, He's not sending this to me to make me feel bad about myself because he wants me to know that she's better than I am. That's not how this works. And so I think that that's been a really part, a big part of the dynamic that I think a lot of people struggle with is I'm not going to be good enough. She's going to be better at giving you a blowjob or doing this thing, or you're going to feel more connected to her, which means that our connection is now less or ruined. And I've just come to the understanding that that's it. I mean, it's never been the case for us. Maybe it will be one day. I, I, I can't control anything, but I just, I don't know. It, it kind of calms me and helps me realize I've broken up with many boyfriends for far less <laughs> important reasons than what we have going on. So I don't know. It could happen at any moment for mm-hmm. any reason. Yeah. I love it. I think that's so, so true. And like you said, welcome to the divorce rates. And I think that's a thing yeah. that people, people think they're like, well, we're married now. I don't have to ever worry about my partner looking at anybody else. I'm like, well, that's not what a marriage certificate does. It's it's a piece of paper. And it, yeah, it's not blinders, right? And so you you have the same risks the day before you get married as you do the day after. And I, I think you both touched on that really well. And and I know Emma has questions. I have one more. And well, I know you have another one, yeah. It was, it was, and it kind of plays on that, which is the, I think it's a Dan Savage uh a Dan Savage ism of some kind that that be careful when you ask for a threesome because threesomes inevitably end being or not end but in, inevitably at some point along the way become a twosome and you two sound like you've had a fair number of threesomes and I think just to speak to that quote that like 
yeah, great. It started as a threesome, but somewhere in that process, there was, it wasn't three people getting three equal. It wasn't just a perfect equilateral triangle. Yeah, I think uh, I'm gonna take this one, Kelly. Um, okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's so funny because a lot of the thing you'll hear when you you know a proposition someone for a threesome is like I'm not good at sharing, right? And if somebody says that I'm like I roll like okay I can either like I can make, if it's if it's something I'm like if I know the vibe of the person I'll be like okay let me tell you how that's not really the case. And a lot of people their assumption going in is like the complete opposite of what Dan said, right? It's like, oh, it's, you know, I'm having to share something. Like it's like, it's less for everybody. And then when it actually happens, we've heard more times than I can count, like, oh, that was actually really way more balanced than I thought it was going to be. That being said, we were just talking about this today, actually, is like once we had someone come into town who I've known for a long time and we ended up doing a thing and we hooked up and, and it was more about me and her than it was, like Kelly wasn't as involved and Kelly was cool with that. And she was like, down with it and it was was fun but it does get there and i think to the point where we talked about like i have my experience a little bit and she has her experience we all have our experience together to the point where now that's kind of moving to like how about we just invite two different people over to the house you know what i mean if we're then we both get to you know what i mean we're we're trying to like make this person into what i want and the same person to what you want versus like let's just bring the person that i want over and the person that you want over and we just see what happens yeah because we have very different tastes which has been sort of an issue that's kind of one of the reasons that we i do send like photo, like we send photo or Instagram stuff back and forth. Just because I'll like send her a girl. She's like, she has a big nose, and I'm like, I know, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> noses, I don't know, but um, yeah, it's just so we, it's it has involved. But Dan's absolutely right. Like, there's certain situations where, like I said early on, I felt like uh, I was the third. Then Kelly's been in situations where she feels like she's the third. As long as you enjoy that part of it, I think. I think you need to one be realistic that that's going to happen. Or if you're third, the, th- the person outside the relationship is watching you two. Like we've had people getting off to watching us hook up and that's been like really fun for them. So it's like, again, there's wins in there somewhere. But if it's, if it's, a, if it's a, like a tug, and, tug of war situation, that can be really, really gnarly. Yeah, yeah, I think, again, it just comes down to communication. We always really try before close or off, you know, whether we go out on a date with someone or I've gone on walks with girls and like taking the dogs out, just like, hey what do you like? What are your fears? You know, what questions do you have? These are our boundaries. What are yours? That way, when you get into a situation where all the clothes are off, I kind of know what these girls are scared of. I kind of know what they, what they want to try or, you know, maybe what makes them nervous. That way I can protect them, right? Like I can make sure, and Connor does the same thing. It's like, we can make sure that they're taken care of and they're protected. And they're not in a situation where they're super vulnerable more than they already are doing this. And in a situation that they don't want to be in, you know, we can also advocate for them and, and make sure that they don't feel left out. One of us needs to be left out. We never want the third person coming into our relationship to be the one that feels left out. So it's always one of us that sort of opts out of the situation, which is what I did when that girl came here. And I could tell she was not comfortable hooking up with me. She just well, wasn't. She, I think she had the best of intentions. It just, yeah. just didn't she just like get, get, you get in the situation. It's like, I think I want to try some stuff with women. And then you're like, uh, you know, it's like, I think I want to try anal. And it's like, that didn't feel great. Like, yeah. it's just, you, but it's like, Hey, kudos to you for trying. Totally. You know? like, and it was, that's why I'm saying great. like, it wasn't wrong. I was totally fine with it, but I, I felt that from her. And so I, I stepped back and I let them have their experience while I was in the room and I like participated in my own way, but I just released the expectation of like, Oh, I'm going to be super involved in this one. <laughs> and that's why I was just fine. And Connor's done the same thing. Like Connor got kicked out of one cause it just wasn't the right situation. And so I think as long as everyone 
speaks to their boundaries, needs, desires, blah, blah, blah beforehand, and then there's just a lot of clarity and respect, then it can go amazingly well, even if it does end up into two people connecting more. I think where it goes wrong is you find a unicorn, you don't fucking care about her, you use and abuse her, and people's feelings get hurt or expectations are not met and it's a shit show. And like, I just don't think, I think that's why oftentimes this gets a bad rap is because people just are not honest and don't lay it out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly it. It's the, Oh, this isn't quite working. Well, we're done with you now. We'll, we'll find a new you. Like there's a, there's a million girls with asses on Instagram. We'll go get one of them because you didn't really fit here with us. And I, I, I love that you two don't take, that approach because it is so so toxic yeah no it is and i want to be sensitive or aware of taking too much of your time but i have a couple hopefully quick questions You're totally fine one okay <laughs> one is uh do you you two have talked about being with other women have it has it ever come up with being with other couples or other men or other people in general or right now is that just not in, in your interest we haven't talked about it that much not that i mean how do you feel if I come to you and say I want to I want to be with a man by myself? Oh, that would be a lot for sure. Yeah, I mean the thing is, like that doesn't turn me on, right? That's where it comes down to. It's like Kelly likes women, I, if, and it would be. I've always said like it'd be so much easier if I was into dudes. It would just be so much. It would just, but it's like and I've, I've even like thought about it. I had a mushroom experience one time where I was like, because a friend of mine had come out at like twenty six. We were about the same age, and I was like, how do you even know if you're gay? And then I had like this like vision of this dick coming towards my face, and I was like. Ugh. <laughs> And I was like, oh, that's how you know. Like, no one had to tell me to like boobs. I just did, you know? And so there's something about that where it's like that it's, it feels unfair. It really does. And I'm like, it would be so much easier if I could just like be into that. It just doesn't, I don't, it just doesn't do anything for me. But then again, like if it was other couples, like I've actually considered that, that that's more of like a place where I could see things making some sense. It just depends on where that's at. But I think they would have to come up like come up versus seeking it out personally. But yeah. that's just, that's kind of where I'm at with that. I mean, I remember when we were in somatic therapy and, and my therapist, Heike, we were on a call one day. Cause I said, yeah, I just have no desire to be with other men. Like I've been with plenty of men. I have I had plenty of dick. Like I'm good. And she was like, talk to me in 10 years. And I was like, huh. Well, and that's what I said too. It's like, this isn't a static thing. It's yeah. like, I'm too, like things can change in so many different ways. Like I, in, in 10, in, exactly, in 10 years, I could be like, yeah, like, you know, yeah. I mean, we could have a totally different relationship structure. We could also exactly. be divorced. Like, I don't know, but I just, it made me think like, Oh, that's interesting. Right now I feel really complete having these experiences alone with women and with Connor. And I don't, I mean, I find men attractive. Don't get me wrong, but I just, I don't really have a desire to be with other men. And right now when I think about, okay, what would it be like to be with another man? It, it makes me um, viscerally uncomfortable and almost want to vomit the idea of another man touching me. And I don't know if I'm traditional in that way where I feel like Connor should be the only man touching me. I don't really know what that is. I haven't like cared to explore it, but that's how it makes me feel now. And so I just know that that's not something I care to explore. I'm also carrying his baby. So, you know, there's like a lot of primal feelings in that. Um, but I think for me too, it's like, we do things that make us feel good. When he went and he hooked up with a girl by himself, it made me feel awful. And so we didn't do it again. 
And there are lots of things that we do that do make me feel good or turn me on or excite me or, you know, push, push boundaries that I think is fun. And so we continue to pursue those things. I think we just continue to go back to how did this make us feel? Was it fun? Did it feel good, sexy, whatever? And if it doesn't like, let's just not do it again. Cause maybe down the line, but right now we're not there. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Talk to us in 10 years. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Or yeah, five, right? No, years. I know. Who you knows? never know. <laughs> it's like, not like, ooh, gross, no. It's like, it doesn't do anything for me, but like, I don't know. We'll see. And the couples thing, like actually, if I was going to say that something that I feel like that would seem reasonable yeah. is more of that kind of like swingery type swap, switcheroo type Which I guess we live in like the swinger capital of America. There's a big club here. I didn't actually. know Denver was just like fucking going off. Yeah. I, th- I had somebody reach out to me the other day like, hey, we're going to uh, the swing. Did I tell you about this? No. Oh, you, I think you were gone, but she was like, it was her and her, her partner where they had met I, had some, I don't know, somehow through, not through us, but like, I don't know, it had something to do with us. But um, she was like, yeah, um, we're going to this, I forget the name of the club here. But she, And I was like, I want to go. Just like, it's a joke. She's like, really? And I was like, no, I don't really want to go. But I knew the <laughs> detail. I'd met the manager. And he's like, you have to pay a membership fee. And there's like a basement. And there's like upstairs and a downstairs. And I was like, oh, huh. That's cool. Like yeah. I'm like, you guys let me know how it went, how it goes. I, I could see us exploring that. that. I also, I really want to explore sex parties. I've never been to one. Yeah, same. Um, I want to go to like an all female one, but then I would love to go to one with, you know, men and women there. But again, I don't feel comfortable with a man touching me, let alone in front of Connor. I just see a fight ensuing. Well, and some of the, so <laughs> I'm a bit of a hothead, but some of like, it's like, it's really hard to find when you're not like there's, and you guys are, have been a part of this community. It's like, sometimes it's just weird, man. Sometimes the people are, the folks are just, they're odd. Sometimes they're odd folks and that's okay. Like I'm down. You do you. But sometimes I'm just yep. like I don't feel comfortable here because I'm not in this like I, like these aren't my these aren't my people you know what I mean whereas like yeah. you're fi- it's hard to find that even within this like community of people who are kind of outside the norm it's like you still need your little crew that that resonates with you that absolutely uses the same language as you like if somebody was talking to me about like manifestation and uh, what other kind of crazy shit crystals I don't know like I'd be like I don't know how to even have a discussion with this person you know like that's not who I yep. am and you know so it's it's but I know that you got to find, yeah, yeah. you've got to find your people. Like, yeah, just because we're all under the umbrella of non-monogamy doesn't mean we're even all, just open-minded or open-minded. Yeah. It doesn't mean we do it the same or talk the same or watch the same shows or whatever. So it's, yeah, you've got to find your, your people. I love mm-hmm. it. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. You had more. I was going to say, thank you both for everything that you've shared. And, uh, I was going to ask the blooper question, but did you have any before we get there? No, let's do it. Okay. Do either of you have any fun bloopers that you would want to share that can be relationship or sexual or whatever? Uh, and if you don't, that's okay. I don't think. I have two. Yeah, you go. You got you got on then. You remember this stuff better than I do. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the pregnancy blooper. Oh god, that one? So we told nothing to do with anybody else besides us two. Yeah, but it's it's a good fucking sex <laughs> blooper. Um, so you know you try and be sexy when you're pregnant and you're throwing up. It can be kind of a hot mess. We hadn't had sex in, I don't know, a week or two. And it wasn't, it wasn't two. You're very, well, whatever. Really I know, but it, it felt like forever. Right. And so Connor and I are having sex. I go down on him and I proceed to throw up on his dick twice but don't let him know. I swallow it because all I'm thinking in my head, he's like nauseous. All I'm thinking in my head is I need to get fucked. If I tell him I just threw up, 
game over. Like he's not going to be, it's going to be a soft dick. So I'm like, just swallow it, pretend it didn't happen and keep going. And then he pulls me up and I'm like kissing him after going down on him and throwing up. And he doesn't even, I'm like, he's going to taste the puke in my mouth and I'm kissing him and he has no fucking clue. And the whole thing goes down and it ends up being like a good night of sex. And then after I had, I guess I had this look on my face. Cause he's like, do you, do you need to tell me? So- I feel like you need to tell me something, but you don't want to tell me. I'm like, I, you don't want to know. And then I ended up telling him live on our show, like two days later, I'm like, so this happened the other night and it was hysterical, but yeah, that's my but you have another really one. awkward pregnancy. You said you have two. <laughs> do you want me to show the like other moving, one? You have one. He's like moving right along. <laughs> <laughs> but the best part you guys is we had friends over for dinner like two weeks later and i'm like telling all the the wives like what happened and they're like oh honey (laughs) we've been there and i'm like why did no one warn me not to do that that was really good to have it on the show because it was like there was so many messages of like oh that happened to me that happened to me and i'm like i I, you know i'm of course i don't know what it's like to be pregnant so it was just it was so funny or i don't know it's like to suck a dick either so it's like it was a lot of also true i can't relate in very so many ways our other blooper we had a foursome um, earlier this year and I planned it as a surprise for Connor. It's something we had talked about a lot for the last like year and a half. And I thought I was going to be just so amazing. And you know, our year had been really shitty thus far. So I was like, I really want to do this for us. And it was with two people that we had been with. And I felt like it was just the perfect scenario. So I, the girls come over, I make Connor go down into the guest room. He doesn't, he, he, knew what was going on. But I didn't know he knew, knew what was going on. And so he's like down there and the girls and I are like, I don't know. I think we were like drinking tequila and like getting all sexy. And I'm like, yes. So I send one of them down to him and I take the other one into our bedroom and I tell the one that goes down to him, like, you know, bring him up in a little bit. And so that all happens. And then we're all together in the same room, hooking up, doing the thing. And I have a fucking meltdown. I like lost my shit. I started panicking. It's like on hormones. I was a week into hormones again. Um, so it was bad on me. So when she planned it, everything was cool. Yeah. A week later when it actually happened, it was not cool. It was not cool. (laughs) Yeah. And so I was literally sitting on our friend's face, sobbing, trying to talk myself off the ledge. Like, you're safe. Everything's fine. It's these two, like, don't worry about it. And I couldn't handle it. And so I had to like, call it. I was like, Connor, we have to go downstairs. The girls were like, what the fuck? I take him down. He's like, what is going on? Like you planned this. I had nothing to do with this. Like, and I was like, I don't know, you know, being crazy. And he's like, you got to go talk to the girls. So I go upstairs and it was so sweet. They were both just laying there and I was like, I'm so sorry. I can't do this. And they just held me and they were so sweet. And like, we get it. Like we feel crazy on our periods. We can't even imagine what you feel like right now. (laughs) And it was just like this really amazing moment where they were like, girl, like you do not need to worry about us. We're totally fine. You didn't do anything wrong. Like, thank you for calling it. Cause that would have been horrible to betray yourself, especially with us. And then Connor came up and we all just lay there naked for like an hour and a half talking and laughing yeah, it and fun. it was fine. But yeah, foursome's gone wrong for sure. <laughs> you know, it's something we like planned and wanted for so long that it's like, yeah, but that's how that's what that's again, expectations will get you. Yeah. <laughs> but it turned out like it sounds like the evening turned out good. Like even if it wasn't what you expected, but you were open and vulnerable enough to be like, this is what's really going on. And mm-hmm. look at what happened. You had a wonderful night of at least talking and connecting and like yeah. that can sometimes 
if nothing else, it makes you feel safe, right? And so makes you have a like a better experience in the long run so that maybe at some point it happens again. And like that it because I can see so many ways that that could have gone terrible, like even way worse than yeah. what it did, right? So well, I, I think that is is so true what you said. Like it gives it gives you like uh, the analogy that came to mind was like you're you're in a plane and you're about to crash and you hit the eject button and like your ejection seat works. You're like, oh great, I trust this plane. And then versus like I'm punching the eject button and your partner's like. No, 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 no. We're keeping, and you're like, well, what the fuck is this button even here for? Like, I, yes. you, you, like it's just, it's not connected to anything. But you now have the, the confidence the next time to know, like, you can hit the button, and Connor will step out of it. The other people will step out of it, and you can return to a place of of feeling secure. You you now trust everybody there. Mm-hmm. That that when you pulled the ripcord, the game stopped. And so I think that's just a really important thing to to have gone through. It, even if it is slightly hilarious. So I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many times, like really as women, do we betray ourselves and our bodies and our intuition to go forward in something sexually, usually with men in order to people please and make sure that they're happy. I mean, I know I've done it and it's really uncomfortable. And that's a, that is a sense of trauma that sticks with you. And I was just, I'm so glad that I made the choice that I did. And also share that because I think so many people need to know it's okay to say no. It can be a yes to start and then it can be a no later and there's nothing wrong with you. If your boundaries are being pushed or you feel unsafe or uncomfortable, whether it's with your husband or some stranger, like it doesn't matter. Like you can say no and that is totally valid. And you know, work through that and figure out what that is. Because now I know never to do this again when I'm on fucking hormones, but I didn't (laughs) know, you know, and I think it's all learning lessons, but it's, it always comes back to not betraying ourselves and taking care of ourselves and making sure that everyone involved is good. Um, and really feeling safe because like, to your point, in this container, safety and trust matters more than anything. And so the more you can be in those situations and practice those things, the more enjoyable and the more pleasurable all of it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very well said. I couldn't agree more. And <laughs> thank you. Thank you both for, for coming on, for sharing everything, for, for, for doing what you do. Do you mind? I, you, you both kind of touched on your work a little bit at the beginning, but if you'd like to plug uh, Soulfire a little bit and your podcast, Connor, like a little bit more about what you do and just uh, anybody listening, links to everything they talk about will be in the show notes so you don't have to try to write everything down, but go for it. Soulfire first, babe. Um, yeah, so Soulfire is a production company for podcasts. We create a ton of content from audio to all video content. We help with marketing, strategy, consulting. Um, we have about 35 shows, and most of them are in personal development, spirituality, sexuality. So lots of conversations like this going on, which is really fun. Um, and we've been around for... God, it's going to be three years soon, which is so crazy. And then we also have a show called OK Babe. We're on break right now because um, I'll be going into maternity leave soon. Um, but we talk all about this stuff, relationships, love, sex, things gone wrong, things gone really well. <laughs> yeah. And then I host uh, Politically Homeless, which is kind of an aggressively independent uh, political podcast and covers current events, what's going on in the world from a very, uh, I wouldn't say down the middle because I don't think centrism is a necessarily a great thing, but um, objective-ish, as objective as one can can pretend to be. Um, 
covering the issues of what's going on. And uh, yeah, I experience a, a fair amount of censorship <laughs> and content suppression, but I'm out here giving them hell anyways and doing the, doing the best I can. So yeah, it's Politically Homeless. And there's a Patreon attached to that too, where I do uh, a weekly kind of AMA with people from, from they get to pick the topics. They're basically in control of my life for that day. They pick the topics. We got to dive into it. We have, a, we have a good time there, but it's a really cool community of people from a, a really diverse set of uh, more, I would say, like thought diversity and mindset diversity than, than anything else. I think that's really, really valuable fun for people yeah wonderful kick ass well thank you both for doing the work you do and it's awesome and we we hope to have you back on what we don't we don't want to wait 10 years but um <laughs> maybe we can maybe we get an update at some point yeah maybe we circle back in a year and see where where things are at and how everybody's doing because it's such a i like you said everything's evolving and and always will be and so we just appreciate the conversation so thank you both yeah of course. thanks for having us guys thank, thank you. you of course thank yeah. you and, and we have back. returned. <laughs> Decided to change it. I was thought maybe people wouldn't notice. Uh, just go go for it. You talk. So it's over. I did it. <laughs> and we've returned. And we have returned. <laughs> Thank you to Kelly and Connor for coming on the show and for all of the work you do. It was a fantastic conversation. And we wish you both the best with your new baby. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And links to everything that they mentioned are available in the podcast show notes. You can reach those at our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com and click on the podcast tab. Next up, <laughs> I keep thinking Finn's going to talk and then he just looks at me. Next up, just a quick reminder I'm that- still resting my vocal cords. Yeah. A quick reminder <laughs> that our next virtual meet and greet is coming up on December 29th. Again, you can sign up on our website. Just click on the events tab. These are open to anyone. You just must be open-minded and- Awesome. And awesome. Forgot what the other things they had to be. <laughs> open-minded and respectful and awesome and awesome and amazing (laughs) my mind went blank (laughs) the the other important event date that we want to throw out there because perhaps some of you premium subscribers are are still listening which we we encourage we have an event an in-person event on january 28th here in the bay area just for community members so there are details posted in the mighty networks platform Check that out for all of the information. And we hope to see you out here in San Francisco or or let's call it Oakland-ish. At the end of January. At the end of January. Yes. Next up, not next up, next, next week, week. <laughs> we have an interview with Maria and Steve. Maria was back on episode 239 and she comes back on this podcast with her partner and it's awesome. So. It is awesome. It's a, it's a wonderful conversation. Again, not required listening to go back to 239. Only if you want to. Highly recommend it. Really what happens in this episode is Marie and Steve dig into their journey together into a bit more detail, and then they expand on it, and it's beautiful. Yes, it so, is. So we will see everybody in one week from right now. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.